Brian's a pastor in Kingsburg, and he's a guy that loves Jesus. He loves kids. He loves God's word. Let's give him a big, warm, heartland welcome as he comes. You guys doing good? You guys ready to have a great weekend together? Has anybody had the experience yet of out there playing in the snow and receiving one of those real soft, fluffy snowballs in the face yet? Wow, I love it. I think I saw someone's ear fly off in a snowball fight. I'm just going to tell you, a paintball has nothing on a snowball fight this time of year, right? Am I right? All right. All right. So this weekend, as I said, my name is Brian. I come from Kingsburg. You know what? I've been telling people, this is a big day for me. This is my 10th anniversary of coming up to Heartland to speak. (laughs) 10 years. Yeah. So... I am extremely blessed and I'm honored, it's a privilege, to share God's Word with you uh, this weekend. And I'm just excited. I'm excited to see what God's going to do. So this, this weekend, our theme, as you can see if you didn't know, is 100%. So what does it look like? What is 100%? It means like putting in all you've got, all of your effort. The Olympics are going on right now, the Winter Olympics. And those athletes, I'm telling you, they've been putting in 100% of their sleep schedule, their eating, their nutrition, the way they eat, the way they train, everything that they are, they've been putting in all that they are to get ready for the Olympics probably, right? They didn't just show up, but they've been training, they put, put in all that they are, even like professional uh, paid athletes, like the, we've got some football game that's going to play, be played, right, on Sunday? Is that this Sunday, right? The Super Bowl, right? So I'm pretty sure that they are uh, 100% in to wanting to win this game it's taken 100% of what they are and their effort to get to where they are. So let's find out who we have here tonight, though. Anybody, anybody Rams? For the Rams, anybody? All right. Bengals. Anybody Bengals? All right. Let's get real because I think at camp you should be real and vulnerable. Who doesn't care? Yeah. I've got to tell you. I don't really care who wins the game, but I'm excited about Sunday because I've been invited to some friend's house. And we're gathering together with some really dear, close friends of ours. And that something happens there that I do value. Potato skins and nachos, right? Those are two things. They're a big deal in my life. By the way, Santa Maria, you guys, I love what you're doing with your tri-tip. That's, thanks for changing my life forever. Good job on that one. All right, so anyway, also 100%, we th- I think of like DNA. Like what are you made of? What, what do you, we all have a heritage and... You know, mom and dad from come different places, and now I'm half them, and, and all this. We, so we have our DNA, you know, those uh, family tree things you can mail off. They do a DNA test, tells you who, who you, what you are, right? So we may get in trouble for this legally, I don't know, because we did it without them knowing. But we actually did a DNA test on some of your counselors. Um, and so tonight we got the results, and you guys want to see what the results are? Yeah. So we're going to find out some of your counselors. So... This is the first counselor here. You guys know, you know this person? Some of you might. Let's, let's find out the results. 7% Romanian, 30% Brazilian, 20% Tongan, 5% Iwakian, and 55% Chick-fil-A sauce. Yeah, that's... I think the 55% is a little too low, probably. All right, next, the next counselor we got here. Woo! All right, let's see what we got here. We got 50% Hallmark Superfan, 0.5% Thug, 45.5% Adorable. 
Yeah, adorable. All right, so our next counselor here we've got. Oh, lovely. Uh, let's see, the results of the test are 20% snuggly and 80% prepared to drop kick campers. Wow. All right. So uh, who do we have? I think we have some more here. Who's next? Oh, this guy. All right. We got, you may have seen him around camp. Let's see his results. 70% lazy packer and 30% sus. Woo. Hey, call her lazy. I think shoving all your stuff in one garbage bag. Genius. All right. All right. Who's next? Oh, Byron. Byron, we all know that guy. 25% baking grease, 25% used motor oil, and 50% Taylor Swifty. Woohoo! Yeah. I, he looks like a Taylor Swift fan through and through. I can see it. That's all. You know, I think it's always only fair. I did one myself. 100% fierce beast. All right, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. It was, it was 100% meatloaf. Okay. Here's the truth of the matter. Not all of us are happy with what we see when we look in the mirror. Not everybody looks in the mirror and is happy at what they see. And I'm not talking physically. Some of us, even that, people look in the mirror and they, they find themselves ugly or, or they're just not satisfied with the way they look. But with maybe with who they feel that they are, what defines them. They're not happy. In fact, we had that booth some of you went into in front of the dining hall, uh, and you're supposed to go in one at a time, and, and you, you fill out a card, and there's a mirror in there. It said, fill out, write down anonymously how your names of what you see when you look in the mirror. Not, not your physical description, but what you see, who you, who you are. And, and we've got a few of those. Let me read a few of those. They're, they're anonymous. So if I read yours, don't, don't draw attention to yourself. Don't, don't lead on that it's yours. I just want to read a couple. I'm going to give it, like just somebody wrote, I don't know. They don't know who they are. Um, so for me, that says confusion. My, one of my favorite though did say, I'm a camper. <laughs> <laughs> True, you are. Um, there's someone else says, a person who needs to work on themselves, a person who's always uh, left, a, a girl who doesn't have a lot of friends. And that one broke my heart. Somebody else said pretty, and then they put ugly and, and an ugly face there and not feeling good about themselves. Somebody else wrote the word sin. Um, someone says, I see someone who's been through a lot. And, uh, and then this one I picked out, there are a bunch more, but this one I picked out because it said an athlete, which that, that, that's, I, I'm glad you're athletic. You're, you're a lot like me. And so, um, that wasn't a joke? Oh, yeah, it was. But when you say athlete, a lot of the things I saw on the cards, too, weren't just things that were uh, 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 good. A lot of you said really good things. A lot of you, I could tell, were love Jesus like you're walking with God well. And some of you said things that broke my heart because um, I really am sad, and we're going to talk about that tonight, of what you think defines you. And then a lot of you put down, like, I'm an athlete, or you put down, I'm a musician, or artist, and those things that are true about you, those are things that we kind of, kind of we do, but they're not our identity necessarily. It's not the core of who we are, and I want to talk to you about that a little bit uh, tonight. Because... Because I'm a pastor, okay? That's, that's, that's my calling. But man, I'm so much more to that. And, and I want to talk, talk to you a little bit about that. And that, that's a hard thing. It's some of us tonight, we don't like what we're, we're made of or 
what the world tells us we are, the people in our life, the circumstances maybe have defined us, things that have happened to us, the hard things we've been through. I know that even at a young age, you guys have been, some of you, are blessed. You've, you've escaped that. But others of you have been through some, maybe some really tough stuff. Because I know the world. I know the world that you're living in. And I know the stuff that can happen. I know the stuff that can happen online. People bullying. People shaming you. I know things that, that can happen in, in, in families. In fact, this, this doesn't sound very big to what maybe a lot of you have gone through. But I want to show you how even a small thing, how, how I get it. Now, I've got this pocket knife. I like pocket knives. But I got this pocket knife. And this was a birthday gift this past year to me from the youth pastor at our church. And he had engraved on it. It says, you ready for this? It says, Porky Butt the Wonder Wiggy Piggy. And that's Porky Butt the Wonder Wiggy Piggy. Okay? Now, that's funny. And, but let me tell you the story behind it. I had shared with him that my dad's nickname for me when I was a kid was Porky Butt the Wonder Wiggy Piggy, and he shortened it. My dad just called me Porky Butt. Come on, Porky Butt, get in the car. Come on, Porky Butt. Dinner's ready. Whatever it was, that's what he called me. One thing my dad was not good at, and he's not a believer, doesn't follow Jesus. Praying for him still today. But he wasn't good at affirmation. Now, he, he wasn't being cruel really on purpose. But a kid who his whole life I've struggled with, with, with being bigger, being, having to lose weight or what have you. And to have my dad call me Porky Butt, I think affected me more than my dad ever thought it would. And not in a good way. And I started carrying this image of myself around. And I, I started devaluing myself. Saying that I'm not worth as much as those other kids. Because I'm porky butt. <laughs> now, my, my youth pastor doesn't know the story behind that, and he, he thought it was funny, and it was funny. And I carry it because it also reminds me it's got a blade, and so through Jesus and my identity being in him and realizing I'm a child of God, I've cut myself away from that identity. And I've been made new. I've been made new daily in the Lord, and it's a blessing. So what I want to tell you about tonight is that what the world tells you, what your circumstances have told you who you are, or what you're believing, maybe you're believing, you're believing a lie about who you are. I want to tell you the realest thing about you, the realest thing about you is what God says you are, who he says you are, and who God says, when I look at you, this is what I see. And I want to, before we do that, I want to talk to you a little about who God is for just a few minutes. Because in order to value, who, value that, how God sees me, first we have to kind of understand who God is. And God is huge. And God has so many things that we cannot discuss all of them tonight here in this chapel time. But we're going to talk about some, I think, some important ones here in just a few minutes. But whatever we are, God is the only being that can be 100% who he is 100% of the time. And we can't do that. I'm a loving guy. But sometimes I do some unloving things. I lose my temper, right? I cannot be, nor can you, be 100% who you are 100% of the time. But that's not true for God. God is who he is all the time, 100%. And I think that's amazing. He doesn't change. He doesn't, he doesn't alter. God, in fact, he's the alpha and the omega. Alpha and omega is the first and it's the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So he's the first and the last, the beginning and the, and the end. It's like saying God is A to Z. He's the beginning and the end. He's everything in between. God always has been, 
and God always will be. God existed before our timeline did, before humanity, before we were created, and God will last forever, and God is eternal. Jesus says in the book of Revelation 22:13 says, "I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end." So that God is also love. 1 John 4, 8 and 9 teaches us, it says, and anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Anyone who doesn't love does not know God, because if we truly know God, we would know how to love because we experience God's love. And God is not loving. God is love. And he can never operate outside of that. He can never do anything outside of love because it is who he is. Now, love isn't God. God is love. And he loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. In fact, Jesus dying on the cross is the most loving thing that anyone ever will do for us. And that is his greatest expression of love is when Jesus came and died for us. Not, no one, not one human on this planet can or has the capacity to love you unconditionally and love you without measure, with endlessly, and in the way that God loves you. Not possible. And maybe right now some of you are feeling like, like, like you're not loved by God. Right, if God loves me, then, then why, why did my dad leave? Why did that person do that to me? Why do people treat me this way? Some of you are carrying around these incredible hurts, and, and you feel like God doesn't love you. Guys, I'm so sorry that you're experiencing some of those things, but God's Word tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not life, not death, nothing can separate us from God's love. But hear me when I tell you, God didn't do those things to you. There's no darkness. There's no evil in God. That garbage comes from a broken world, a world that is held captive by sin. It's mastered by an enemy, or our enemy, Satan, who's out to kill and destroy and destroy. He's prowling like a lion, looking for his next victim. Whatever sin our enemy has taken from us, tonight as you sit there, if, if, if you're, you're sitting there going, man, I'm damaged goods. God can redeem that in your life. God loves us so much that he will make you whole again. He will redeem you. He will heal you, and he will set you free from your pain because God loves you. And with him, he brings peace, and he brings hope. These promises are for his children. Right now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you never put your faith and trust in him, you're his creation, and he loves you. But the promises of God's word are for his children when you're adopted in the family of God. And this peace and this hope comes along with Jesus. Entering into our life. When Jesus reigns in our life and nothing else is more important than him. And he replaces that fear, he replaces that doubt, he replaces that, 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 that pain 
with, with hope, with love, with peace. But we must also live in God's truth. We, we can't be okay with living outside of God's truth and living in what, God, what the world tells us, that's people who are not following Jesus, tells us is okay. But we need to live and follow into God's truth. What God has said is true. Because God says, John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. God is truth. To say that God is truth is to acknowledge that truth comes from God's character. Or, or, or the things, things can have things that are true about them, but only God is truth. And what that means is God's the originator of truth. You hear so many times today people in the world say, well, I'm going to live my truth. This is my truth and you have your truth. The reality is there's only one truth and it's God. He's the originator of it. He tells us the standard of which we're to live by. He tells us what is right and what is wrong and what is true because he is the creator of all things. It originates with him. We can't change it because if truth changes, then it was never really true, was it? It was an opinion. It was a perspective. But truth is absolute and never changes. And God, he is also 100% creator. He has created everything that there is. Genesis 1.1 tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1 then goes on to say eight times, eight times it says in Genesis 1, it says, and God said, and then after that, it says, said, let there be light. And then God said, let the, the mountains and the oceans. That is complete and ultimate power that God made something out of nothing. Can you guys make something out of nothing? You can't, can you? Maybe if you had a Lego kit, you could put that together, but you can't make it without the Legos. God is the only one that can make something out of nothing. In fact, if I had this power, that is such power. If I had that power, I would abuse it. I'd be like, Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Why I'm playing? Bacon. And then, why not? If I've got that power, Nintendo Switch wrapped in bacon. <laughs> would you guys abuse that power? If you can just speak and things became into existence, that would be nuts. It'd be crazy. I'd be like, hair. <laughs> Check out these pictures. God spoke, and the ocean was filled with some of the most beautiful creatures that are on our planet. Let's talk to the next one. God said, let the waters, the oceans, let there be land to divide the waters. I look and I stand, we went to Oregon this year and saw some beautiful coastline. And I was like, wow, God, you are amazing. You've created something so beautiful. The next one. And he just spoke this, these mountains and these trees and these rocks and the stream. He said, let it be. And it was. That's amazing. Our God is an incredible, powerful creator. Let's see the next one. Oh, who doesn't love bears? He said, let them be animals. Next one. Space, all the stars and the galaxies and the, the, the planets and the moons that God spoke them into existence. It is huge, but it's still tiny to the creator God who created this. Who just literally said, let it be, and it was. And that boggles my mind. And when I look up in the stars, I love space, right? 
And, and, and I, when I look up in the telescopes or I look at pictures, I'm amazed. I'm like, that has got to be the best creation that God has ever created. Because look at it. It's incredible. God created something else, though. Let's see the next picture. I was wrong. Space wasn't his best creation. We were. People. God created us. He's, God says in, in Genesis 1, verse 26, then, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God is the giver of life. We're not like any other of his creations. In fact, the, the book of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians tells us that we're his workmanship. And, and what that means is that we're his best, his crown jewel. We are his best creation. We are special. We're not like the rest of the things that he created. And it says that we are made, in Genesis, we're made in the image of God. So what does that mean to be made in the image of God? That would blow my mind. What does that really mean? I mean, are we gods? I mean, when I was younger, I played basketball on the court. A lot of people thought I was a god. I'm not kidding. All right, no one thought I was. But we're not gods, right? We're not gods. Do we physically look like God? No one's seen the Father. I would assume he's better looking than me, right? But no, I don't know. But what it means is to be made in God's image is that being made in God's image is that we share, though not perfectly, we don't live this out perfectly like God does, we share in his character, in his nature. Scripture tells us that we're made with eternity in mind. God made us and designed us as people to, to live forever. We have the ability uh, for knowledge, for wisdom, for truth, for love, for justice, of free will. And because of this, because that we are made in the image of God, man, we are spiritually, we're able to have fellowship or to have a relationship with God. The guy who made all that, the being who made all that, created us in a way that we could have a relationship with him. That blows my mind every time. That God knows me so personally, so individually. He created me so I can have a relationship with him, to worship him, to spend time with him. Does that blow you away? I can't even boggle it sometimes. We got this dog. She's a great dog, okay? I can't, I can't say what I normally say because there's people in the back that actually know me and, and, and know the truth. I tell people I have this vicious German shepherd that's trained to kill that she's actually a chihuahua, you know, half, half chihuahua, half weenie dog. And her name's Rosie. She's got huge ears, and she's just really cute. And I thought, I always thought before we got her, she was a rescue dog, that small dogs were just really ugly cats. Like, I didn't want anything to do with them, right? Like, that's not a dog. Big dog, right? I'm big dog man. This little dog curls it, puts its head under my chin. I love my dog, okay? Her name's Rosie. But Rosie's unable to have a relationship with God because she is not created in his image. She's not. But we are. You and I. In fact, Psalm 139, here's something that is, is so incredible. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 tells us this. Listen to this. 
says, or you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. If I were to sit down at a potter's wheel, you guys know what that is? They put the clay and the thing spins and they make those cool vases and bowls and cups and stuff. If I was to sit down at a potter's wheel and I got that thing trucking, right? I put my hands on that clay and I made something, I would probably just sit there and stare at it until somebody walked by and went, oh, hey, Brian, uh, cool cup. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a cup. Thanks. So I wouldn't even know what I made. Right? I am not gifted in that way at all. I just I can't do that. But a master sculptor, when they sit down, they have a vision for what they're going to make. And when God created you, he had a vision for what he was going to make. He knows your days, right? He, you, your ears, he formed those on purpose. He gave those to you with reason. Your nose, your eyes, your mouth. He gave you your, your, your intellectual, your intelligence. He gave you your emotions. He gave you when, how, how easy it is for you to get sad or happy or all those things. He gave you your athletic ability. He gave you your artistic ability. All those things come from God. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows how many hairs are not any longer on my head. God created everything about you with purpose and for a purpose. Even the quirky stuff. Anybody got anything quirky about them? Okay, you can't see it. You're not going to get to see it. But my toes, there's a space between my big toe and all my other toes that you could drive a truck through. And I don't know why until one day, literally, there's a bus hanging off a bridge full of small children. I use that space to grab the bumper and I pull them back on it. No, not really. But still, I have no idea why that space is there. But I know that God gave it to me. He created that space. He knows me well. The creator of the universe knows me intimately. He had a plan for us when we're in our mama's belly. There's not a random person in this room. If you feel random, you feel alone, you've never looked another random, a person in the eye that's random. Because God made you with a purpose. He made you by design. And our purpose is to live holy lives. You know what holy means? Because God is holy. God is holy. It means he's set apart. He, his ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. There's, he is higher than we are. He is perfect. He is the standard. But we are set apart. We're, God says you're holy because I am holy. If you're a follower of me, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're holy because I am holy. So we are set apart for God. Our whole lives to be used for God. And we're set apart to glorify God and to live holy lives and bring glory to God in everything we do. And that is our purpose that we have in life. And it is a good, good purpose. Some of you feel like, man, how can I be holy? How can God have a purpose for me? You don't know how, you don't know me, Brian. You don't know the stuff I think. You don't know the things I've said. You don't know the things that, you just don't know me. 
And you, I don't know, you might be sitting here today and you've been, you, you're, you're, when you get on the internet, you're engaging in some stuff you shouldn't be. I don't know. You may be in a relationship that you shouldn't be in. Maybe you're angry. I don't know the story behind the front door of your home when you go home. I don't know you that well. I'm friends with this kid. He's a high schooler now. But I've known him his whole life. And he was dropped off at the age of three by his tweaker parents to be raised by grandparents. And this kid, his whole life, was a handful when he'd come to church, he'd messing around, destroy things, causing trouble, kind of being a jerk at times. Because you know what he was carrying with him? Not even my own parents wanted me. Not even mom and dad wanted me. And I watched this young man grow up into a mature into a dude that knows Jesus. And he is free from that today. Because he realized that his mom and dad and their mistakes didn't determine his identity. Didn't make up who he was. But what made up who he was is that he was a redeemed, forgiven child of God. Loved by the creator of the universe. Adopted into God's family with a heavenly father who loves me at all times. I'm never absent and never separated from his love, no matter what. And he's a new dude. He's walking in freedom. He's not walking in bondage anymore. It's awesome. It's awesome. Let me tell you just a story from the Bible, and we're going to end with this tonight. It's this guy, a really important dude in the Bible named Peter. Peter's an important guy. Okay, he was one of Jesus' disciples. He was an apostle. He was one of the twelve, uh, one of in Jesus' inner circle. He was there at some majorly important times in Jesus' life when Jesus was doing ministry on the earth. And he walked with Jesus well. And, and, um, and, and Peter was, was actually sent out to, to share, one of the first ones to go out and share the gospel. But some things about Peter, I liked that he was impulsive. You guys, let me hear another story when Jesus walked in water. They saw Jesus out in the water, and Peter's like the first one going, Hey, Jesus, let me come to you. And I picture him with one foot on the, out in the water before he even asks. He's like, I'm coming to you. He's the guy that took out a sword when Jesus was being arrested and went, Hrink! and whacked off the, the high priest servant's ear. He's super impulsive. I think that's what makes him a really good, a good leader, a restrained version of his impulsiveness. He's all in all the time. But Peter, he was also incredibly courageous in the gospel. In fact, there's this moment in Matthew where, where Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, well, you're, you're God. Jesus, you're, you're a God. And then Jesus' response to him is, I'm going to build my church on you. Peter, you're going to build my church. Because the church hadn't started yet, right? Jesus was here. But then this massive guy who's super close to Jesus, living life with Jesus, doing ministry with Jesus, he does this incredibly cowardly act in Jesus' most Traumatic time and traumatic moment. We find it in Mark. And it says this, Mark 14, 67 through 71 says, And seeing Peter warming himself, so Jesus had been arrested. Jesus was about to be crucified just in, just in the next day. And he was standing there by himself, warming himself by a fire. And this girl looks at him and she says, You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. 
But Peter, he denied it, saying, I don't need, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And this is a big moment, because Jesus told him, you're going to deny me, Peter, when I get arrested. You're going to deny knowing me before the rooster. You're going to do it? And, and, and Peter said, no, I'm not going to do that, Jesus. I would die for you. But here we see it, that Peter denied Jesus in his, in his moment of need. And, and the servant girl saw him and began to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you're one of them, for you're a Galilean. But he, he began to invoke a curse on them. He said, I don't know this man of whom you speak. So he denies him aggressively, invoking his curse on him. And I look at this, I'm like, how does this happen? How does a man who says, I would die for you, Jesus, I'll, I'll take a bullet for you. How does he go from that to saying, I don't know that guy? You know how that happens? Because he's afraid. He was afraid. And he caught up in that fear. And it's easy for me to look at Peter and say, Peter, how could you do that? I would never do that. I would never have denied Jesus. And the reality is, I deny him all the time in my life. I don't ever verbally, if I said, I don't know Jesus, I don't know who he is, but by my actions, by living in sin, things that are wrong, sinning against Jesus, by maybe not being obedient to him, by not being who I know he's called me and told me to be, but I'm being somebody else. If I were honest, there have been many times in my life, I would bet maybe in yours too, that I've denied Christ by my actions. Here's something critical though. When Peter did it, he didn't walk away. You know what he did? He cried. Peter cried. Scripture says he, he cried, he wept. And I envision that it wasn't like walking away in one little tear, but I envision it being the gut cry. You ever you guys do a gut cry? Even that sad, right? You know, it's coming from your gut. So it's snot and everything's coming out. That's how I envision Peter crying. You know why? Peter loved Jesus. And he knew what he did, and he was crushed by that. He was carrying around this sin, this shame. But see, we live in this cancel culture right now. Where you disagree with somebody, I unfollow you, I'm not going to listen to you anymore, I'm going to cancel you, you don't agree with me, you say something that, that, that hurt me, you're canceled. But see, Jesus isn't in the cancel culture, he's in the redemption culture. He takes our brokenness and he redeems us. Because look what happens to Peter after Jesus' death. So Jesus, Jesus died and then he rose again. And he's been appearing to his disciples. And here's another moment after his resurrection where he's going to appear to his disciples. Peter went back to what he knew and he went back to fishing. And they were out fishing all night. And they came in and they had caught nothing. And they were, they were just about 100 yards offshore. And they see this dude standing on, on the shore. And then one of them says, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's our Lord. So they're pulling in their nets and they want to row their boats to the shore. Peter is so excited. He had this moment. Like if I was Peter and I saw Jesus who I denied and Jesus knows I denied him. Because Scripture says that when he denied him that third time, Jesus looked at Peter. So I know Peter saw him. Jesus saw me deny him. I think I would have got down on the bottom of the boat and laid underneath the nets and hid until Jesus... Is he gone? Is Jesus gone now? Did he move on? He's still there? Okay, I'm going to see you down here. 
But Peter didn't do that. Peter actually, he was fishing, so he was in his kind of his, his undies, right? And so he puts on his outer robe, and he goes, jumps in the water while everyone else is rowing the boats to the shore, and he's swimming as fast as he can because the boats aren't fast enough to get to the feet of Jesus. He went the, the path of least resistance, jumps in just like Peter would, and got to Jesus as fast as he could, and he drops at his feet. And Peter was, Jesus was there, and he said, he tells him to, to cast, put down the net, you know, they caught all kinds of net uh, fish, and then he said, bring the fish, we're going to have breakfast. He had a fire there, and he had bread, and he had breakfast with his disciples. But then I'm going to end with this. Jesus and Peter had this special moment, verse 15, we're going to pick up here. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of God, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you believe me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And this is a crazy, beautiful moment between Jesus and Peter. Because Peter, do you love me? Yes. Then feed my sheep. I told you I was going to build my church upon you, and you're still, I'm still going to do it. Go out. Take care of my people. Tell them about me. Share the gospel. Tend to my sheep. Care for the people that, that have put their faith and their trust in me. Peter, return to your true love. I have a job for you. I have a mission for you. Jesus recommissioned Peter despite the fact that he denied him because Peter loved him. And he was repentful and he was sorry for what he had done and he restored him back into him. Jesus said, come back into me. And some of us in our guilt or in our shame and some of us even in the sins that we're walking in, the things that we, we, the world says, it's okay what you're doing and we don't have shame when we should and even that's keeping us from Jesus. Because Peter was ashamed and he should have because he denied Christ. But Jesus says, return to me. And he did. He ran to Jesus. And because of his love, he says, do you love me? Yes. He says, great. I love you too. I've got something for you to do. I'm going to restore you. I have life and I have a promise for you. And that's so important for us to quit living in our failures, quit living in a past. We look to a future glory of living in heaven with God one day and know that our identity when God looks at us is not what we see when we look in the mirror, but he sees an image bearer of him. He sees his son, Jesus, in us if we're a follower of Jesus. He doesn't see all the ugly. He doesn't see all, all the stuff, the crud, the junk, because we, if we've been forgiven of that, because it's separated from us. And that blows my mind. Blows my mind that Jesus loves us so much that he would do that no matter what we've done. If we repent and we say we're sorry, and if we're a follower of him, Jesus says, do you love me? And if the answer is yes, he said, come back into, abide with me, walk with me. You're my beautiful, beautiful child. You're my special creation, God says. You're not damaged goods like the world says. You're not, uh, you're not ugly. I create beauty. I create it with purpose. And Jesus has that for you today. So I'm going to say this. As I pray, I think we're running a little bit long. Is that right, Brian?
we have time for one chorus. So as we pray, the band's going to come back up. And this is what I'm going to ask of you guys tonight. Be real, be vulnerable with Jesus. If you've been hiding from Jesus, some of you have been coming to youth group, you've been coming to church, you've come up here to camp, a Christian camp where you know we're going to be talking about God, God's presence is here, but yet we've never been really looking God in the eye. We don't want to make eye contact with him because of how we feel who we are, because of junk in our lives or what we've done or what's been done to us. We don't want to really look Jesus in the eye. We're hiding on the bottom of that boat. Okay, Jesus is here, but I don't want to open up to him. Some of us are really dying in the fact that, man, nobody wants me. I don't have friends. I'm not, I'm, home life is horrible. I got to tell you, God's got something different for you. And I would pray that tonight, if you didn't participate in that booth, but even tonight you said, you know what, yeah, I see myself this way. But boy, I want to claim that. I want to claim how God sees me, that I'm an image bearer of the creator of everything. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. I'm a new creation, God tells me, when I'm with him, and I put my faith and trust in him. I, the old is gone, the new has come. I'm a new creation. I want to live in that. That identity, that's 100% who I am. Not what the world has told me. Not what my circumstances have said. But I am who God says I am. That's the realest thing about me. And tonight, you want to declare that? You want to change the direction? You, Jesus is saying, do you love me? And the answer is yes. You know I love you, Jesus. Then come up here and claim that tonight. Once again, right, we're going to have some papers up here. Write it down and just drop it on the stage as if you're dropping it at the feet of Jesus and saying, I'm no longer going to be misidentified. I'm no longer going to claim 100% garbage. I'm going to claim 100% freedom and new creation in Jesus, and I'm going to experience hope, joy, love, and peace like never before. So come up and do that if you'd like tonight. Say, that's what I'm going to own during this last song. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that you've created us in your image. You created us as, as, as to have relationship with us, to have fellowship with us, to love us. You created us to worship you. You created us with eternity in mind. And Lord, tonight, I pray that if there, we're, we're here and we're walking in sin, we've been walking apart, we put our life, our faith and trust in you, but yet we've denied you in some ways. I pray that we would come back to you. We would come back to you. Jesus, as you ask, do you love me? We would say, fall on our knees up here and say, yes, Jesus, you know I love you. I do not want to own this identity anymore. But I want to be, I want to be on the identity of a child of God. So Lord, I pray tonight that you'd work in our heart in a mighty way, that we would claim that. We would not claim and own what the world offers because it overpromises, underdelivers but we would claim and walk in what you've offered us this day. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.